When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, Real Sociedad gave FC Barcelona a heap of trouble in the Camp Nou. Martin Braithwaite's first starting spot was positive, but he proved to be no substitute for Luis Suarez. A dubious penalty call gave Lionel Messi what he had been looking for the whole game, a clear shot on goal. And that goal was enough to get the win and keep the pressure on Real Madrid in the title race for La Liga. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me now from Madrid in Spain, a good five hours ahead of me is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How we doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. How's the future look? The future looks bright. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we just had daylight savings time. Normally, you're six hours ahead of me. Today, you're only five hours ahead. Yeah, I heard I was talking with my family earlier and they were, you know, everyone's always adjustment period is off on Sundays, you know, makes Mm -hmm. tomorrow morning more difficult when everyone goes back to their normal routine. But yeah, we don't, we didn't have to change our clocks and yeah, the future here, Brian is bright. Nice. (laughs) It's actually pretty bright here as well. I just told you before we started recording, Megan and I are, are adopting a puppy today. Nice. Do you have a name yet? Um, it has a name um, already, but we've talked about changing it. So her current name is Bitsy. Okay. She's super cute, seven-month-old Bassett puppy. Um, but I've always uh, dreamed about naming my dog after one of my favorite composers, this Hungarian composer named uh, Georgi Ligeti. And I always thought that Ligeti would be a fun name for a dog. So we're gonna try. We're gonna try and see how that feels calling calling this new dog Ligeti. Nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. I have I have a friend back home in uh, Phoenix, and he named his dog Kevin. Because he wanted to have a name, like a like a man's name or a girl's name, so that you know he could say, "Stop pooping over there, Kevin! Come on, yeah. man!" <laughs> yeah, that's uh, those are some of my favorite dog names, just like normal person <laughs> yeah, first yeah. names. Yeah, like I gotta take Greg for a walk. Yeah, you know? exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just funny. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that or just like strange nouns like chair. <laughs> I just I just love the name Kevin for a dog. It's just so just to the point, you know. It's like Kevin, let's go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, I like Kevin as a dog name. Yeah. Well, uh let's get into the show. We have a number of things to talk about today. First off, I want to remind our listeners if you've been paying attention, our friends at the Houston Coolays have been raising money to send youth players from their local community, Houston, to the Barcelona soccer camp this summer. They've been doing this for a few years. This is their third year doing it. First year, they raised enough to send two kids. Second year, they raised enough to send three. Their goal this year is to send four. And at an average of 500 per kid uh, for the tuition and the uniforms and all of that, it's 500 each. So they've already raised $1,500. They're looking for another 500 we have a link to their website where you can join that effort and contribute um, not any amount. I think it starts at like $10. 
throw them a few bones and help them send youth players to Barcelona soccer camp. Every time they've showed us videos from what came out of that, it's always looked super fun. You know, the kids get to line up on the last day and they play the Champions League theme and they get to play a game and they're learning, you know, Barcelona La Masia style drills. And it's a, a really great program. At one point, we had we were hoping to try and get more Peñas involved in that sort of thing because they have these camps all over the U.S. But uh, the Houston Kool-Aids are the ones that have really run with it and made a, a, a year-after-year commitment to it. So just letting you know, they still need about $500 more. So follow the link that's at the bottom of our show notes to go to their sponsorship page and uh, throw a few their way. So let's talk about Barcelona. Let's get into the, the meat. I know that I read a little bit about this and I know that our commentators here in the U.S. were talking about it, the Sarabia scandal, <laughs> the situation yeah. with with Setien's assistant coach, Sarabia. Uh, why don't you lay this out for us? What happened? Sure. I mean, after the Clasico, I think this was the first Clasico I can remember living here in Spain where I did not digest any kind of news or anything afterwards because I just didn't want to be reminded of just the poor performance from the Classico. Yeah. But when I finally got back to feeling, you know, tasting food again and so and so <laughs> forth, you know, uh, I was watching the sports and climbed out of your hole. I climbed out of my hole. I, you know, I was getting back into the swing of things of Barca news and all of a sudden the Sarabia situation popped up and I was like, what's going on? And of course, um, you know how we always talk about the players and the coaches always putting their hands over their mouths because here in Spain, they love recording and figuring out what they say on the field. And then that's becomes the soap opera here in Spain. They have video of Sarabia on the sideline, you know, pointing directions and so forth. And he, quote unquote, behaved out of line. Now, Mm. Brian, I am in the point of view that I'm in the Sarabia camp on this because he was basically telling the players to get back into position, play defense, run back, move over here. So it's not like anything out of the ordinary where he was telling them, like, you guys are terrible. You know, he was he was actually coaching. And yeah. Sarabia is a very emotional type of coach. I mean, we've seen it, you know, on the sideline, how he feels the game. And today in the news today, they were showing highlights of him as well. Even in last night's game, how he just feels every pass and he's emotional and he's just trying to coach because Setin is kind of like the CEO of this. And right. Sarabia is more of the technical guy that's giving the direction because he's younger and he can get around on the sideline and yell. Now, Brian, today I was reading the newspaper and it was three pages okay three pages on the situation today after last night's game so that just tells you that there's still kind of this smoke about this you know pk had a comment about it alba had a comment about it i'm telling you again brian i'm on the side of sarabi because i don't think he was out of line i think he was doing his job and of course brian as kool-aids we are all seeing the effort that they're putting in and they need a kick in the pants you know yeah so again everyone here what I've read here and I've seen on Twitter and so for the most part is in support of Sarabia. There hasn't been really anybody on the other side. Now, the other thing, too, that was kind of weird or not weird, but just interesting was that Setien apologized in public about Sarabia's behavior. And so I don't know if that was mandatory because from the board's perspective right. or from the players. Right. And again, someone leaked to the newspaper that the players were upset with Sarabia's behavior. And that's where it all spiraled. But in last night's match, PK talked about it and Alba said that they were fine with his behavior it wasn't anything online so someone is leaking this information obviously I have my hunches that it's someone on the board obviously mm-hmm. and as you can see last night as well in the north end the supporters were shouting Sarabia's name all night long so they're in support of it as well again 
Brian, this 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 club right now is just chaos and toxicity at the highest levels. And what makes it even worse is that we're still leading La Liga. So it's kind of one of these things is like, you <laughs> well, know, for the moment, for the, for the moment. Exactly. We're recording but, this prior to the Real Madrid game. <laughs> we are. And this is the thing, like in any other club, all these things happen outside the field. There's no way that they're in the race or they're in Champions League. But we have Messi and this just creates this type of, you know, this atmosphere that is just, you know, have you never not seen a coach yell on the sideline? I don't think it's that abnormal. Every coach I've ever had would yell from the sideline. I mean, yeah. like, that's why I cried when I played <laughs> soccer as a little boy, because I didn't understand. I did not understand, like, the social contract there. Yeah. And my parents tried to explain to me and I was just not having it. I was a fullback who cried. That mm. was my that was my position. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes a goalkeeper who cried. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then, like, later on in high school, even when I was in marching band, trust me, this ties in. When I was in marching band, man, our band director would tear us a new one if we didn't march really well. And that may sound ridiculous to some people, no. but I don't care. It's the same exact thing as sports. Exactly. If you're not executing, you know, if you're not, if you don't have the discipline, if you're not doing what you practiced, you get yelled at. No, I, I mean, I think it's a perfect analogy because like you said, it's all about the execution, right? And the thing is, you know, we saw before with Valverde, there was this complacency and the players were super comfortable because they were enjoying their practice and so forth. But obviously the performances didn't relay. That's why he got fired. So all of a sudden there's this new coaching staff and this coaching staff is trying everything to get this team playing at their best ability. I mean, we talked about how they were doing those blindfold runs, how they went to dinner, how they're doing all these different. I mean, they're really trying, they're, they're throwing everything you can, you know, everything you learn in the coach's manual, right? Yeah. And it still doesn't seem to be working because as we see in the past performances, we're, we're doing enough to get points here and there, but the overall performance is still stagnant. And that's still the problem. Now, my, my only beef with this is that Setien, if he had to apologize because they made him, then that's a problem, right? Right. I don't think he should have apologized. I think he just said, yes, uh, Sarabia is a great coach. He's basically my emotional leader, and that's what he's <laughs> there for. And that's that's fine. You know, you don't have to really apologize, and I think that's the only thing. But as you can see from last night's game, the Grada was uh, supporting the Sarabia and also just people on social media for the most part. So I don't know where the situation started. You know, I don't know if it was from a board member leaking to the news because that's kind of how this all flamed out, you know. And so, again, a situation out of nothing becomes something huge. Yeah. Well, that's what sports media is good for. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> I, like exactly I told you, like I told you today in the newspaper, it was three pages of stuff, you know, in the whole, you know, usually Mundo Deportivo of content at FC Barcelona. It's between 10 and 15 pages. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good chunk of just on the Sarabia situation. Right. Yeah. It's like 20 percent. <laughs> we need to make a funding appeal to you, our listeners. And I just want to let you know that 90 percent of our budget comes from your individual support. And at our current level of support, we're making the equivalent of 62 cents an hour for the amount of work we put into this show. Right. It, like if you had a part time job 20 hours a week and you were only making 62 cents an hour, you would quit that job. Right. Well, that's kind of where we are right now. Gabriel and I are making roughly the equivalent of 62 cents an hour for putting out this podcast at the rate that we do. So unless we get more support from you, we're we're going to quit this as a part time job. You know, it's not a hobby. 
<laughs> it's we treat it like a job. Um, and I think that's reasonable. So if you're already a member, either on Patreon or you've done the one-time donation through our website, you're doing your part, and thank you for that. But frankly, we just don't have enough support to do everything we want to do with this show. So having said that, if you want to support this show, it's simple. You can make a contribution through our website, and we have a link to that at the very top of our show notes. So please go ahead and do that. Now let's talk about this game, Real Sociedad. Match day 27 in La Liga at the Camp Nou. It was a one nothing victory for Barcelona thanks to a late goal by Lionel Messi scored on a penalty kick. First thing to really bring up is um, a hard truth, or a truth at least, that we have to accept about this team. And this was your idea, so I will, I will defer to you <laughs> on this. Yeah, I mean, we're just an average team, you know? We're just yeah. average. And yeah, we're good enough to beat... Some teams, you know, most of the teams at the camp now, but on the road, it's going to be a 50-50 and even maybe a 60-40 for the other team. And we are just, man, Brian, it's funny because at first I made plans to watch this game at home. I was like, I'm going to watch this game at home. It's a 6.30 kickoff here. I can still go out afterwards, no problem. And then my friend texts me. He's like, do you want to go for drinks now? And I said, you know what? Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold my Saturday nights anymore for this team. I went to a bar, I was watching the game, and I also watched it this morning as well. But it's the same thing, Brian. It's just, we're just a, a, a ghost of ourselves, you know. We're an average team. I was looking more forward, Brian, to seeing Real Sociedad's midfield. That's That was for me. And going they to did the, not disappoint. They did not disappoint. And also, and also, they didn't play with their strongest 11. No. So that keep that in mind. Now, we have a lot of problems, okay? <laughs> a lot of problems on this team. And Brian, I'm just really still surprised really more than anything, is the starting formation. And I just thought Setien was going to be more daring with these lineups. And we are seeing nothing out of that. For example, Brian, let's take a look at the forward line. Sure. We have Braithwaite, Messi, and Griezmann. If I were the coach, I would have not. I would have put Braithwaite up the middle, Griezmann on the left, and Messi on the right. And I'm using quotes on the right because Messi's never on the right. Right. But Brian, Griezmann was on the right wing. <laughs> and you're what scratching your head. You're what literally are we scratching your head right yeah. now. <laughs> what, what are we doing? Like, what are we? And then everyone complains is like, oh, Griezmann's not scoring. And any time in Griezmann's career did he play right wing? Right. Wrong. You know, Wrong. It's a big X, right? No. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on with this team because we, when you look, you know, as a coach, Brian, when you take your roster, you are trying to put those players, A, in the best position possible and also to succeed, right? And yes, we got the points, right? And today in the press conference, or last night, Setien said he thought it was a perfect, not a perfect game, but a good game because they got the points. Real Sociedad's a tough team and so forth. But again, Brian, it could have gone either way. And I just still can't get over the formations that we keep bringing out, you know? Rakitic getting the start. Okay, fine. De Jong looking placid. You know, he didn't look the bite. It's all these things, Brian, and it's the same thing. We're just an average team, and we have to face up to that. We keep hoping because we keep thinking that maybe we're going to break out of this slumber. But, Brian, this is already now more than 30 games. This right. Is, this, is, this is it. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> well, getting back to Braithwaite, because this was his first start, uh, I feel like he made a good contribution from the beginning. Sure, he's no Suarez, but he definitely filled in a gap that the team sorely needed to be filled. I would agree. And yeah, I think part of that as well is because Messi plays with him. Right. Right. And they're freezing Griezmann out. And I don't know why. Griezmann is a... I was talking to this with someone last night. I forget. One of my friends. 
Griezmann is a world-class player, a world-class player. Who the player. club spent a lot of money on. Correct. More than 100 mil, right? And a lot of and, drama as well. Exactly. But he, more importantly, Brian, just technically, he's a world-class player. Yes. The fact that he's not getting service is incredible to me. That I looked at his heat map. You know, I was looking at the heat maps today when I was getting ready for the show. That's why I love the Saturday Yeah, that's like games. what you do while you're brushing your teeth in the morning, Exactly, right? exactly. You look at heat maps. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love the games on Saturday because on Sunday I can really digest all this material and just kind of take a look. And again, Griezmann's heat map was really just lukewarm. There was nothing going on the right because there was no passing. And you look at Messi and Braithwaite and it's all happening there, you know, and that's fine. Braithwaite had a lot of contributions. But again, Brian, he's an, I would say, above average striker. You know, he needs a lot of opportunities to make goals. He's not a conversion striker where he's going to have two opportunities and score one. He needs like six opportunities to score one more than anything. Yeah, I mean, he. I would put him on par with someone like maybe slightly below, but definitely in the same area as like Paco Alcacer when he was at Barcelona. I would too. I would put him as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paco Alcacer at Dortmund, way better than Alcacer <laughs> at Barcelona, right? For but sure. So if we just gauge it by how they perform at Barcelona already, he... Braithwaite strikes me as a, a Paco-esque striker. Yeah, and I, again, I'm just looking at the formation again every time. You know, the last two games we were in a 4-4-2, didn't yield anything. We weren't defensively sound. We didn't score any goals. Our midfield was a disaster. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ter Stegen can't pass to anybody. Then we go back to this 4-3-3. And again, we just don't have the personnel to fit this style. And the same thing happened. Ter Stegen is waiting. We're doing long balls. Brian, I cannot remember a team a Barca team in my whole like career of watching that is as brutal to watch on a week to week basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Yeah, Messi still has moments of brilliance, but there's obviously something hampering him, right? You can see that. Like he's maybe a tad slower. There was a play where he had a bad first touch that we normally don't see. And it's just the whole team put together, they just it seems like they're all strangers in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, actually, to that point, there was a tweet because I knew that you weren't watching the game at home because you weren't tweeting. <laughs> I, could, I, I could tell. <clears throat> I actually started my own um, Barca Talk specific Twitter account just for me personally called uh, Barca Talk Brian, Brian with an E, B-R-I-E-N. Uh, so you can follow me on there. I will at times occasionally tweet. But so I was on the Twitter mm -hmm. <laughs> during the game and I noticed that you weren't tweeting. I was like, oh, either he's not watching or he's out. <laughs> he was like out doing this. But so um our our buddy Andy West at halftime tweeted uh Kike Setien may wish to use the halftime interval as an opportunity to introduce Antoine Griezmann to his teammates. They appear not to have met yet. That's a really good tweet because it takes the limitations of the medium. You only have so many characters to really get something across and he nailed it. Again, this is the same thing I've been clamoring all season. It's all of a sudden, we have a resume of Griezmann for the last seven season that he was able to score more than 15 goals a season. You know, he's won a World Cup. He is a, again, I cannot stress this enough, a world class player. That is a very difficult tag to have, right? And then all of a sudden, whenever you watch Atletico in the past years, you knew that he was playing up the middle and he's a playmaker, right? And we are completely avoiding his talents, which to me is a, pfft, detriment to this team we're doing basically the same thing that we did with Coutinho just freezing him out making him into a player that doesn't fit his style and then asking ourselves why isn't he producing right and again putting him on right wing 
is an atrocity. You know, mm. like I've never seen him play there. He obviously didn't look comfortable. And when it's a big game against Real Sociedad, especially with the powerful midfield that they have, this is not the time to experiment. Just plug and play Braithwaite up the middle. Put Griezmann on the left wing because he has been playing there all season, even though that is not a preferred position. But you know what to expect from him. Yeah. Again, Brian, I, I'm just so confused by this because when Setien got hired, I definitely thought we were going to be more daring, more attacking. And you take away that 5 nothing win against Ibar. What kind of goals are we really scoring? Nothing. There's nothing artistic about the way we're playing. There's no dynamic movement and everything just continues the same. So again, Brian, I just emphasize we're just an average team this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're an average Barcelona. Yes. Okay. We're overall, we're an above average team. We're still top of the league table or second if Real Madrid wins, wins this weekend. So still pretty good. And I was, I was actually contemplating asking the question on Twitter. Would it be, what would be the worst thing? Finishing third, would that be the worst thing? Because we're already out of the Copa del Rey. I don't see us going much further in the Champions League. Yeah. We might get past Napoli, but I don't see us getting past whoever's after that. So all that we're really left with is La Liga. So what would be like the real wake-up call? Would it be second place, third place, fourth place? Like What would actually get this board out early? Something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you brought up a good point because that's part of the problem, right? Obviously, I'm not trying to say that we should lose the games, but the fact that we're still in La Liga, you know, the board members can hold on to that and say, look, we're still in La Liga, even though there's this chaos and toxicity around the club right now. Right. And that's where the problem is, because if they were in fourth or fifth, then I think, you know, the alarm bells would be you know, sounding harder for that board to go. But since they're still in first, we still have Messi. It's, it's a really confusing time, you know? And so, again, you bring up a good question. I think we're still okay in La Liga for now because of Real Madrid is not that much better than us, you know, on the other teams, essentially. Like, they lost to Levante, for example, a couple weeks ago. But I just don't have faith with this team because I now know what to expect. We're just going to have bland performances and barely win these games. And a penalty here, a VAR there, a decision there, and that's where it's going to happen. Right, right. There was one moment before we got a goal that did look really good, just from beginning to end. It was in the 67th minute, this play with Messi and Rakitic that opened up Messi to shoot. He could have shot, I thought, but he opted to put it out wide for Alba, and then Alba put a cross back in for Rakitic. Rakitic couldn't get on the end of it, and to me it looked like a perfect cross from Alba, uh, it was just, I mean, a timing problem. But that moment, that was a good play. A much brighter spot than the situation that led to the actual goal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, there was maybe like two or three bright spots, you know, throughout the game. But at the most part, we looked, like I said, strangers in the dark. Like we'd never played with each other. And Real Sociedad was able to take advantage of that. Now, I think, you know, because of the Copa del Rey match that they had during the week, I think it took a little bit out of them because... They were not as, you know, they missed opportunities. And I think that really helped us in this match because I don't, if they didn't play the Copa del Rey, I think they would have really ran over us uh, last night. But again, it was a good build up play by these guys. But again, it's the same thing. Shoot. We're <laughs> still not desperate enough to shoot, right? We still think we're the Globetrotters and that's fine. But at the same time, we're not scoring enough as we used to. So, you know, that's why I also think Messi is a little bit off because with that, he would have taken that shot normally and he didn't. He passed to Alba. And, you know, the same thing kind of happened where we lose that opportunity. And, again, we're going to talk about Alba's 
gestures at the end of this, <laughs> at the end of this. But yeah, again, Alba doesn't do anything for me yeah. anymore. You know, yeah. he is, you know, before, as we called him the squirrel and now he just looks three steps slower than ever. Yeah. Now know? he's more like the and, possum. Exactly. And people were complaining about Junior Furpo making all the back passes, you know, but Alba does the same thing. If you look at his heat map and his passing, he's doing the same exact thing. It says people are jaded by the Alba presence, right? Because of what he's done. And again, yeah, they give him s- more of a pass. Exactly. Yeah. And we just, you know, we're just slow, Brian. We're just slow everywhere. When we have the ball, it's like time stands still. I was watching a Liverpool match yesterday just because I was just kind of cleaning my house and doing stuff. And it was playing against Bournemouth. Bournemouth, right? <laughs> Bournemouth, a team that is like at the bottom of the table that you, that team looks so fast. And when I watched the Barca game, I was like, wow, Bournemouth would run circles around us. <laughs> it's true, man. man. It's true. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. Well, I I do think that defensively, Barca actually did have a good game because Real Sociedad only managed nine shots, only one on target. And that you can't only chalk that up to Real Sociedad having a bad day. For sure. I, I think PK played out of his mind. I think PK, the last two games, he's played really as the captain. He's really shown heart. Brian, when I was watching the game, especially at the bar, they were highlighting him just with his perfectly timed slide tackles that he had yesterday, blocking passes. Uh, I remember a play specifically where he was on the end line and he closed his leg to create a corner, uh, get the team out of danger. So he was constantly being a threat. He had a good header that he kind of missed on. But for me, he had an overall, I think he was the best player of the game um, just with his defensive presence. And again, Longley was paired with him and they both did well. You know, Umtiti, the last couple of games, I think he was serviceable and fine. You know, so like you said, our defense did play better. And I don't know if that's just also, you know, we can attribute that to the Copa del Rey match during the during the week that maybe La Real didn't have the legs as they usually do. So that maybe has slowed them down just a tad. But when the defense was called upon, they did deliver. Yeah. But even then, you know, again, even if you're tired after a Copa del Rey match, with the way that Real Sociedad have been playing this year, you'd expect a number of shots in the double digits and you'd expect their on-target percentage to be higher than one shot on target. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, every time they came on a counter, I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. it, it always looked threatening, but but the, the back line, PK in particular, yeah, the yeah. long lay as well, mostly managed to shut it down effectively. Yeah, for sure. And Tristegan only had to work once to make a save. Yeah. The rest of the yeah, time, I mean, he was a- just looking for someone to pass to. <laughs> anyone anyone open oh my gosh how about you why don't you come my... down from the stands <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's my biggest pet peeve is long balls you know because just the percentage is so low especially at the top flight level and i made a joke of this yesterday on twitter was that only in the epl do they cheer when you clear a ball out of bounds yeah right and it's the same thing you know that's what made barca different was our ability to work from the back keeping possession building momentum to an attacking play going to the other third and now it's like we don't even know how to do that and then second of all we don't even know how to break a press and it's it's to me it's still baffling that after three years we still don't know how to break a press it's we still lack help from forwards to come in and flood the midfield and now we're just doing this long ball thing where we try to break it up and it's yielding what a 30 percent 20 percent success rate yeah but also that shows just how hard it is to play out the back and to break a press exactly see this is the thing is like if we had more midfielders then obviously we flood it and we have more options you know that's also the key right when you only have the three midfielders and the other team is guarding the three uh, back guys then all of a sudden it's just a numbers game right but 
our forwards are not active enough to come back to help. And that's part of the problem as well. Yeah. I will. I mean, we've noticed many times how hard Griezmann is willing to work. So you get that. And with Braithwaite, because he wants he wants to prove himself to the fans and his teammates that that he deserves to be there that he deserves yeah. to be playing at Barcelona. So he works really hard as well coming back. It's just Messi who's, you know, lurking. And I'm not criticizing him for that. We know that that's sort of his game these days. He'll tend to walk more and he'll try to pick his spots and use his brilliance in other ways. Uh, it's maybe not the best idea to ask him to run his ass off, you know, run 40 yards and try and break up a play and then try and go back the other way. Like given his age and what he's capable of from an attacking perspective, it may not be fair to ask him to do that. But with Braithwaite and Griezmann, at least you get that little extra bit of help because they'll both run back and and help. Yeah, with Braithwaite, I think he just doesn't want to be the next Kevin Prince, right? right. I think that's where he's. <laughs> I think that's what he's trying to do. I mean, you know, just like in basketball, you just have to be really active and trying to get to ask for the ball. And we just don't do that. We just walk around. You watch Dezong. He's walking around. You see Busquets, the same thing. When they're covered, they basically give up that they're not going to get the ball. And they still have to be active to create some distance or to create a mismatch in some way. And that's, again, another issue that we have, Brian. In our midfield, you know, our players just don't beat people 1v1 as often as they used to with Xavi and Iniesta. And that's a huge problem. So now we are depending on, you know, triangles. But now our teammates are too far to connect with passes. And then we lose them. And it's a counter the other way. Yeah, never mind triangles. We we barely have lines. <laughs> <laughs> just line segments. Just like one yeah, angle. Yeah. One angle yeah. would be good. Yeah. You know, it's like when you think back to 2010, 2011, that era, right? I remember everyone was at the minimum, like when they were resting, they were jogging. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that exactly. That was the slowest anyone was going to go. Even if they weren't moving that fast, they were at least in position to immediately sprint, immediately run. Yeah. Now there's so much walking that just to get into a run is that much harder. So there's there isn't as much motion. They're not jogging. They're walking more than that. And yes, there's still the sprinting, but that's the game. I mean, I can relate, Brian. I, I played football on Wednesday, you know, <laughs> and I know, you know, my older age now that I can't just go sprint from the first minute. I have to ease in now, which is I hate it, but that's just what you have to do. And, you know, the first couple minutes, I'm feeling my way through the game, kind of jogging around, figuring out. Then I start to go more energy as well. And that's what these players I notice are doing. Just like you said, they're walking around. It takes them too long to engage. And again, the other thing, too, for me, Brian, is just the spacing. You know, since Messi plays in the middle, as we talk about all the time, that poor right winger has no one to play with. And we're just not utilizing that space. And so now everyone can focus on half the field. I, I just, I really thought, I really thought that Setin was going to be more daring with a 3-5 system and just going full board with that because I thought that was going to enlighten some enthusiasm by scoring a lot of electric goals. But we were scoring yawn goals, you know? <laughs> they're not, they're just going, you know, nothing. I can't, Brian, I, I was just thinking about this today when we were getting ready. It's like, I can't remember the last time where I was inspired by a win by the play for more than 70 minutes and where I was just like, wow, that's the Barca that I used to. And I cannot remember the last time that happened, maybe last season in Champions League, maybe against Manchester United, if that. Again, this whole this since that, the Liverpool situation, everything, it's just been the same thing, man. Just just lack of dynamic play and the same situation with our midfield. Yeah. So the final point to get into is uh, the Jordi Alba issue. So he 
He it, it looked as though he scored a goal. It turns out it was called back for offside. But more importantly, <laughs> apparently, was his gesture that he made after the the faux goal. I mean, what's this guy doing? <laughs> I mean, I, well, okay. I, first off, what was the gesture? What happened? So he plugged his ears, mm-hmm. like Coutinho did against Manchester United last year when Coutinho scored, and he plugged his ears because he wants to block all the noise, right? And to me, this is the most, you know, you can't be more unaware of a situation than this because it's not as though the team is fighting for everything. If the team is fighting for everything and we're complaining, then okay, I understand that point of view. But we clearly see on tape and on video and in the game that there's a lack of energy and hustle and all this stuff. And that's part of the problem that is really irking us as Kool-Aids, right? Because we know they can do better. And the idea that he plugged his ears just to add more things to talk about this week, especially since the next time they play is Saturday, Brian. So guess what we have to fill this week? The Alba situation, right? right? And again, his comments after were so unaware, self-unaware of what's going on. He was basically saying, quote, like that, you know, the public has to respect me. Mm. Right. (laughs) And I don't, I don't want to be whistled when we're tied at zero. And it's like, Jordy, man, pay attention here. Like, no one likes the style we're playing right now. You guys aren't showing anything. That's why they're whistling. It's because you guys seem to to be walking, as we just talked about. And again, in the news today, they talked about it. It was in the paper today. So it's going to be another issue. And he even mentioned it in the press conference. He said, now they're going to be talking about this as though, like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, what? This guy (laughs) doesn't know what's going on, you know? And I understand in the past eight years, there's been really nothing to whistle or to, you know, talk badly about Jordi Alba. But this season, we can honestly see that there's been a drawback. And it's not because he's not trying, maybe. I don't know. It's just physically he's not the best person. But he has to be aware of what's going around. And this, again, goes to the whole team as a whole, that they're just in this bubble where they think everything is hunky-dory. Right. When it clearly is not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> to, uh, well, it's clear to us. <laughs> Yeah. But that's the problem yeah. with being in a bubble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see what happens this week. I mean, especially with no midweek games, the press is going to just eat this up. Yeah. Because I can't remember the last time, Brian, where PK and Alba did a full interview after the game. And so they had a lot of quotes to use. And, you know, PK addressed this club as being at a breaking point, essentially. Yeah. And so, you know, the news was running with that as well today. So, again, with these two players, you know, that have been in the Barca team for the last 10 years, you know, in the center, you know, doing everything for this team. You know, I just, Brian, I just cannot remember a time with a team that I follow where the decline just became so sudden, you know, where you're just kind of in the moment and all of a sudden it's it's such a fast decline of how this happened. And I always bring this up, Brian. These are players that have played since 2009 every single game yeah and they've outlived uh, some of them three or four managers <laughs> yeah you know just their career at barcelona if they ever yeah, play, yeah. if they ever played anywhere else just at barcelona they might have outlived three or four managers at this point like have you ever run out of gas you ever been driving and you run out of gas me personally no yeah i have <laughs> um and you know you get the indicate if you have you know a yeah, newer yeah. car the light will come on but if you know you don't have you don't have the money for gas. You just what can you do? You just got to keep going and hope that you get home. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't, then you sort of go from there. It happens very suddenly. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that it happens gradually. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's just like that, you, you know. The gas just keeps getting used up and keeps getting used up, but the operation of the vehicle is the same until it isn't. <laughs> yeah. And then that's a, you're out of gas. Literally. Yeah, that's, that's, and you got to pull over to the side of the road. <laughs> that's a, that's a great analogy. You're right? It's been exactly happening. The, it's been happening yeah. ever since the beginning of this board's era. It might yeah. have even started under Russell. Yeah. Right? But now it's we're finally hitting I mean, I think breaking point is probably the good way, the best way to put it. That's we we finally run out of gas. Yeah. And again, you remember, I think you brought this up or someone else brought it up. But they said, where would you start with rebuilding this team? And honestly, I just don't know. You know, there's just so many questions. And especially with the money issues, I mean, who knows where to start? And especially with all the La Masia players not being used, you know, for example, Ricky Puj not being used at all again. Yeah. And, you know, he's playing right now in Barca B tonight. Uh, and so I, you know, we were, we were hoping, you know, especially when we saw those first pictures with Setien and Puj that he was going to use the B team. And so, nope, none of that, you know? No. And it just goes to show you that this, this is such a pressured job that you have no time to put your system, really, because, you know, like I, I thought we were going to be more daring and we're still not. And, you know, just another lackluster performance. Yeah. Well, can't wait for next weekend. <laughs> In Mallorca. Yeah. Well, as the uh, as the news progresses and the week goes by, we'll have uh, more episodes for you this week. These will be available for everyone. Um, on Wednesday, we'll have another episode. We'll cover whatever news has happened between now and then. And then on Friday, we'll pick up on any other news that may have happened and look ahead to the match against Mallorca in the weekend. Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media with social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.